What it do, baby? It's your girl, Lauren, and I am back with yet again another episode of Akata Girl Chronicles. Now, I know it has been a long, 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 long time since I've posted another episode. And, you know, I took a break, really, because life was just happening all at once, right? Um, I'm proud to say that I have finally graduated from with my master's. Um, I did that in May. Just took some time off to like reorganize myself, get some new equipment upgraded, um, and you know, really just having a hot girl summer. I just wanted to take a little break, and now I'm back with the jump off, ready to get back into things. Um, and now just really fo- re- refocusing back on my. Uh, on my platform and really what my passion project, which is this podcast. So if you've been rocking with me, reaching out to me, where's the next episode or anything like that, you just listening right now. I'm super grateful for that and super, super thankful um, for everyone who's been encouraging me, rocking with me, helping me out and just giving me advice um, along the way. So um, this is actually going to be episode one of four that I'm recording right now. So I'm batch recording. I think that just works a little bit better for my schedule. So trust me, the consistency is going to be on and popping. Okay. Um, Another thing with the podcast, I'm going to be doing things a bit different this time. It's going to be more unscripted, less structure. So just bear with me as I'm just getting some points across and just, you know, shooting the shit and hope you guys are rocking with me on that. So getting right into it, uh, first and foremost, happy new month. It's the 1st of August. It's the last month of summer. It's the month right before all the holidays are coming up. Oh, no, we still have September. But, you know, prepping for the holidays starts to starts now, actually. And, you know, really just the significance of me dropping this episode on the 1st of August is because in the Black Liberation Movement in Spaces, we take the month of August to commemorate all of our fallen soldiers in and imprisoned freedom fighters, many whom we've forgotten or don't even know about, that we still have uh, political prisoners within the U.S. penal system. Um, and they are locked up to this day for being organizers, activists, and revolutionaries Um in the struggle against or the struggle for black liberation in the United States. Uh, just to name a few, we have Asata Shakur, W.L. Nolan, Mumai Abdul-Jamal, um, the Africa family of the MOVE organ out in Philly, um, and Sundiata Kohli, who is actually here in Maryland or the D.C. area. Um, we take the month of August as a time to educate ourselves and increase our knowledge of self by fasting, regularly exercising, um, reading and studying different African and African-American literature, and organizing within our communities. Uh the National Black United Front DC chapter will be having a Feed the Hood and Community Cleanup um, in Ward 8 um, in Southeast DC, August 17th at the Bald Eagle Recreational Center in Southeast. So um, I dedicate this episode to all of the people doing the work in the continued struggle of true Black liberation. So you know, in the spirit of Black August, some of the things that I would love to talk about um, that has been a hot topic, I guess, for, you know, a couple of months now um, is the whole case of reparations, right? Um, a few weeks ago, we had our 
the National Black United Front had its 40th convention. And one of the seminars that we put on was presented by the Honorable Dr. Conrad Worrell. Um, and it was about the case for reparations and the history and study behind reparations and where we are in that movement now currently. Um, and it was very exhilarating and very thrilling because uh, one of the things he emphasized was study. Knowing um, when you're building this case against the United States and the in trying to hold uh, our oppressors accountable for the things that they've done, not even on a just between America, but just on a global scale, you have to have the background to to do so. Right. And um, we spoke briefly about the. I don't necessarily know if it's new or if it's not new, but I feel like I've, I've recently they've they've judged up the conversation of reparations with the new TIS, but the ADOS hashtag they call themselves ADOS, which is the American Descendants of Slaves, right? Um, and I 100% understand the argument. I believe a, a professor, I forget, the names are escaping me right now, but you know going back to the concept of lineage matters and only um, American slaves who are, are should be the ones to receive reparations and everyone else has their own reparations battle and we're just going to focus on um, Americans who are here in the lineage of slaves and you know if you are you know have any type of other lineage then you can't go or you can't you don't receive it but the conversation of reparations started in Nigeria right it started in Africa um, and it was started by a group of African Americans who uh, identified themselves as pan-Africanists and made the case on the basis of how we were taken from a place, right? So the, the, I think the issue that I have primarily with the ADOS conversation is that it's completely ahistorical, right? Um, slavery is a condition, first and foremost. It's a condition that we were that was forced upon us, that we were forced into. Um, it's not a heritage. It's not a lineage. It's nothing you can track back to slavery. Slavery is a condition that you are forced upon. These are your, you know... Um, black people and Africans in general, we were not slaves or we weren't, our, our destiny wasn't slaves. We were taken out of a country, of our own country, and brought into slavery, right? Um, and that's just, that's just a fact. That's not debatable. That's not an opinion. That's, that's, that's what happened, right? Um, and America wasn't even instituted when slavery was happening, right? Because we have the American Revolution, and then America became its own sovereign country, um, but still carried on the very similar tradition of its mother country of England, European powers that were, you know, imperializing other countries and colonizing other countries simultaneously. So to me, the movement, I get... I, like I said, I get the premise of it and I get the understanding behind it, but it's more so divisive and it's ahistorical and it's just not correct. It's just not it's just not a correct basis. And then the people who are within the movement, I'm not saying all because I've had great conversations with people who are ADOS and we both understand where each other is coming from and may not agree or disagree with them. But there are people within that movement who I believe are more divisive than they are 
um, helping the conversation along. And mind you, this is a 50-year-old conversation. This is not something that just happened overnight. You know, um, Dr. Conrad World has been talking and in, 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 in making the case for reparations, you know, for well over. Um, he's, he's in his 70s now. So, I mean, this has been his life's work. And for it to be reduced to something as simple as, oh, well, I'm not, I'm not going to go the African route. I'm going to completely disconnect from that and completely erase that from the, the situation and say it's American only when America doesn't even halfway recognize you as a as a people. Right. America didn't even recognize us as humans. Um, so to make that basis, it's kind of like, hmm. But to further get to uh, the point on reparations, my personal opinion on reparations is I don't know if we can ever build a case strong enough where our oppressors, our white European colonizers are ever going to, number one, admit and then pay for what they did. Yes, they did that for Jewish people. Yes, they've done it for other sects of people that they have oppressed American Indians or Native Americans to be specific. Um, but the disconnect is, is that we're not being recognized on any level, whether you want to say, well, I'm just American or whether you want to say it's for all black people, whether you want to say it's for African lineage or whether you want to say whatever the case is, there is a reliance that I feel is unhealthy on the case of reparations. Um, It's one avenue to go down, and I'm not saying that the work of reparations is is useless um, in general, because as I said, this is a 50-year-old conversation. There have been dozens and dozens and dozens of dozens of organizations who have built cases and prepared and have all the facts down straight. And But for me, there are other ways for African-Americans and Black people in general to hoist themselves up that has nothing to do with relying on a capitalist dollar, right? And I don't want to sound too revolutionary in the fact of, oh, you know, capitalism is bad or whatever the case is, but relying on the saying that if you cut me a check, my life would be better or this this would help us, I hear you. But no one understand that cutting a check and then putting it to a black person's hand, where are we going to spend that money? How are we going to do that? How is this going to be divided? Is there going to be an action plan with these funds if granted to us? What does reparations look like? Does it look like a check or does it look like stipends for homeownership, as Kamala Harris would say? Does it look like, um, you know, more programming for us to get or whatever the case may be? Like, what? If, it, if it's not the 40 acres in the mule, what does it look like and how is it dispersed and who is managing that and how is it going to be managed? And is there a fund for, are we going to have a collective fund for it and say, okay, if we were give, if you give black people reparations as a whole, what do we now do with it? Um, and one of the things that we talk about quite frequently in the Black community is a lack of financial literacy. And this is something that I'm even learning and working on and trying to reverse things that I just didn't know about, my parents didn't talk to me about, and just, you know, coming into my 30s, like, okay, I need to get this shit together, right? So if I, um, who grew up in privilege and having issues with my own financial literacy, I can only imagine someone who's had less access, you know what I mean, or less education, or, you know, what does that mean for that person as well? Um, 
So I'm not against the conversation of reparations or the action of reparations. It's just, are there other methods outside of reparations to say, we as Black people, we can help ourselves. We're not in mental bondage anymore, or we don't have to be anymore. And there are certain things that we can do as far as um, building ourselves up without relying on someone cutting us a check or making a program or funding for us through simple financial literacy education. Um, Is that a way, is that, you know, is that more, is that should be, should that be the focus more so than reparations, right? So, so my opinion is kind of twofold on the reparations conversation. One, I'm not with that ADOS-ish. I'm not with that at all. I just think it's very, like I said, divisive and ahistorical and just inaccurate. And then two, does the conversation of reparations, should we, should, should we even be, uh, how do I say it? Not to say that, because I don't want to say reparations, you, you don't need reparations, but I do think that the focus should be more so on avenues that we as African-Americans or we as Black people can do for ourselves. There are methods and in, 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 in things that we can do that we can create our own 40 acres in a mule. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like, it doesn't have to necessarily come through the form of reparations. But that's really um, how I feel about it. And I would highly encourage anyone to uh, Google Dr. Conrad Worrell. Like I said, he is one of um, the elders within the National Black United Front. He's one of the founding fathers of the National Black United Front. And we had the privilege and opportunity to hear him speak so eloquently about reparations. Um, And he has his own website. I can put that in the link description. um, that's Dr. Conrad Worrell, W-O-R-R-I-L, and also um, Dr. Reverend Daughtry. He came out and he, too, is a founding father of the National Black United Front and spoke to, you know, the history of reparations and the importance of the importance of it within the Black liberation. Because I do believe that um, not only the United States, but all these European powders need to collectively cut everybody a check because the transatlantic slave trade hit multiple countries and multiple times and stole from the same place. They all We all came from the same place. No matter if you're connected to it or not, no matter if you have an opinion on it or not, you can say, you know, you're from South Carolina, you can say you, your family is from Florida, whatever the case is, the the... The basis of that is that a European power entered into Africa and took human lives and forced them into slavery. Slavery is not where your lineage begins and is not where it ends. So I will leave it at that. I'm sure there's going to be opinions on what I have to say, but I said it and that's how I feel about it. Well, the next topic that um, has been on my radar, and I kind of had thoughts on it, but then I didn't know. I didn't know if I really wanted to delve into it on this episode or not. But I'm just going to speak on it. Um, a few months ago, Kim Kardashian was in the news for freeing, you know, 17 people um, out of our, out of prison, and she's on this reformative justice, going back to law school. Boo, 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 boo. Now, typically. I could give a damn less about Kim Kardashian. Like that, the whole clan just 
just is a no for me. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just a no for me. But um, in this instance, I definitely want to say kudos to Kim for what she's doing. But my, I guess my my issue with the the way the media is spinning this, and I'm not necessarily she had to hand it in or not, but um, two black women uh, are the ones who actually started this fight to free these people, right? Um, and then, and I want to take the time out now to name them as Brittany K. Barnett and Angel Cody of the Buried Alive Project. These two women who are lawyers um, have been fighting the good fight of um, getting our brothers and sisters out of these prison systems that um, just, you know, we all know the story, just unfair sentencing, um, very, you know, fees upon fees, just, you know, you know, the whole, just, you know, how the African-Americans are with the justice system and how that goes. Right. And so those, these two women who have been on the forefront and fighting have described Kim Kardashian as a very pivotal, pivotal person in, uh, getting these people free. And as I said, super kudos to her. I'm glad that she's, you know, using her platform to really address an issue that is, that is a problem. It's a problem within the United States and it's a problem across the globe where African-Americans and Africans are consistently being, um, you know, tormented by the system that's been created against us. Right. Um, so when I say my issues with the media, it is, because of Kim Kardashian's celebrity, it was written as if she was the one doing the work, right? Um, and then her face is, is being used. It's kind of like that brand ambassador um, to bring to not only bring light to this issue, but again, it's, it speaks to me how Black women are kind of often pushed to the shadows within these liberating spaces, within these organizing spaces. And we are expected to just be, you know, background, don't be too much, don't be too hype, you know, just do the work and be quiet type of things. And I just, like I said, I wanted to take the time out in this episode to really shine a light on these two women who have been doing amazing, amazing work, trial lawyers who uh, basically gave up that slick city salary to really help their people and organize um, around freeing them. And again, it just, to me, it just speaks to what does it mean to be a woman in this space, right? Like, what does it mean to be a woman who is for Black Liberation, who is an organizer, who is an activist, and making sure that we're not centering the wrong people, because this happens even even in Black feminist spaces. White women are centered because um, it's a white woman's movement, but, you know, the voices of um, Marie W. Stewart or Anna Julia Cooper or, um, you know, Ida B. Wells, or even, um, you know, you know what I mean. This is as far as like black women who have been talking about feminist theory before feminism even became, was coined a word, you know, before even womanism was coined a word, things and ideologies that have been innate in us and theorized by us as black women, not really being respected. So I always want to take the time out to 
shed light on what the work the work of Black women and naming them. It's very important to name them, um, and it's critical to name them not only in our spaces but in spaces in general. So, yes, that 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 is just something that I really wanted to use this episode for to highlight, you know, yes, Kim Kardashian using her platform in an amazing way. Um, but these black women have been doing the amazing work that is allowing her to, um, transform her platform in the right direction. So be it.